Hey, Ryan, how do I get project-based learning started at my school? I've gotten some form of this question nearly every day for the last decade from engaged educators just like you. So at Magnify Learning, we've created a free download to get you started. Whether you're a superintendent, principal, coach, or teacher, go to whatispbl.com to get started on your project-based learning journey today. Are you ready to bring project-based learning to your school? The PBL Simplified Podcast will help equip you for your PBL journey with weekly need-to-knows, engaging interviews, PBL showcases from facilitators in the classroom, and PBL leadership episodes to move you towards a successful implementation of PBL. Because every learner deserves to be a part of an inspiring story, and we see daily that project-based learning helps make this happen. If you want me to answer your PBL need-to-know on the podcast, visit whatispbl.com and click on Ask Ryan to submit your question. Welcome to the PBL Simplified Podcast. This is a PBL leadership episode. I'm your host, Ryan Stoyer with Magnify Learning, and I am fired up today. We've got a need to know that actually goes back to last month. Last month in May, we were talking about how to publish your book. I believe everybody has a book inside of them, and we need to work to get that published so it can go out to the world. But here in June, our focus is going to be on learner presentations. How do we get our learners ready? to present publicly? How do we give them opportunities? All these inspiring stories that you hear out there from other schools, how do you get those at your school? And we're going to be talking about that all month, and we're going to get that started, and we're going to tee that up today. But before we jump into those learner presentations, let's go back to this need to know. This need to know kind of hung on from last month, and somebody wrote in and said, I agree that I have a book in me, Ryan, but I don't have time to write that book. How do busy leaders write all of these books? Such a great question. And, you know, we talked about last month, we talked in the episodes about, you know, carving out that hour before school starts. We talked about finding that consistent time where you can get consistent words onto paper or the Word document or Google Drive, wherever it is you store things. It doesn't need to be a complicated software on writing a book. It's really about getting your ideas and your words to page. And that's one process. But another process you might not be aware of is a lot of busy leaders, a lot of the books that you're reading, whether they're in education or business, are written with the help of a ghostwriter. And there are ghostwriters out there. So uh, I have a good friend, Nick Pavlidis, who runs Ghostwriters School. And he does a lot of ghostwriting for a lot of names that you would know. Uh, But he's behind the scenes. He's forming these ideas before they even start. He is there to make sure that you're writing the right book, which is key. So there are ghostwriters out there that can help you take your ideas, your thoughts, and help you get them to page and get them published. So there is another way to do this. If you say, hey, I'm just for real too busy. You know, we like to look and make sure that that's true, make sure that you're utilizing your time well, creating some places for deep work. But there's also the idea of ghostwriters out there. It's a very legitimate way to get your book out there. And on a side note, as I was talking to Nick about this, how do we get these ideas from leaders, teachers in the classroom? How do we get them out to the world? He also mentioned that teachers actually make great ghostwriters. So teachers, if you're listening and you need a good summer gig or a side gig, you could think about being a ghostwriter. 
you can look at how can you partner with an author to bring their ideas to life. You get to be kind of the sidekick. You get to be the really leading the book process. There's a leadership piece to this because you're trying to bring out these ideas that sometimes aren't fully formed in us yet as leaders. And as a ghostwriter, you get to do that. So what I'm going to do is in the show notes, I'll put a link to Nick's ghostwriting school. And he's got some info you can check out there and see if it fits you. It could be a really good uh, side gig or summer gig. Uh, if you've got a writer in you, you have those skills, right? I was an English teacher and I've got all these adverbs that are trapped inside of me. So I like that writing process to get them out. And as a ghostwriter, you could help other authors bring their ideas to light. If you do have, as an extension of this need to know, if you do have that book and you're writing it or you get a ghostwriter and you want to talk about publishing is that next step, um, I'd love to talk with you about that too. We've got some connections and some ideas there through Magnify Learning to say, hey, maybe we could help you publish your book. So you can go to whatispbl.com and you go to Ask Ryan and just put your question in there. It could be about ghostwriting, it could be about publishing. Uh, again, we'll have the link to ghostwriting if that uh, piqued your interest in the show notes below. That's our opening need to know. Let's jump into our main topic for the day on learner presentations. I believe that every school can have student stories like the ones that you hear in the next episode, actually. We're going to have some learner stories from our friends at Foster Heights in Kentucky in the next episode. But also, you can go back to episode 63 and get some learner perspective there. But we hear them all the time, don't we? We go to a conference, and now at conferences, we've learned that, yes, we want to hear from experts in the field. Maybe you want a keynote. Um, maybe you want to hear from the experts. But we also want to hear from the learners. What's their experience? What are they bringing to the table? What are they taking from the table and bringing into the world? Those are some of the best sessions that that I have. I remember one where we were working with UK NextGen, great folks, and they brought learners in to actually run a tuning protocol in front of 50 teachers and administrators. That takes a lot of guts, gumption, confidence, probably a lot of reps actually in the background for these learners. I think they were fifth graders to run this session in front of a bunch of educators that were there for this conference. And they absolutely crushed it. They knocked it out of the park. Uh, it'd be really hard to leave that room and not believe in tuning protocols and the work that it can do with learners. So I think everybody can have these student stories as long as you take the time to create these three processes. The first process is to implement project-based learning. You came to PBL Simplified, so that's not a big surprise. But what project-based learning does is it creates opportunities for our learners to present. So they get to practice in these smaller stress environments before they're in front of you know, a, a room of 50 people, 200 people. They get an opportunity to practice these things. So if you're presenting at every part, every ending of a PBL unit throughout your entire year and in multiple years of your schooling – then as a learner, you're going to build up this presentation muscle. You're going to have the reps that build confidence where presenting is not a big deal. I had a learner uh, named Richard Tran who um, was able to present at the largest solar farm on airport property in North America. So I, it was the opening. So they had like the ceremonial shovels and they had, you know, this big fancy tent out where these solar panels were going to go. And... There were several presentations. The 
president of Duke Energy, the director of Indianapolis Power and Light was there. These kind of head honchos were here giving talks. And then Richard gave his talk. And one of those three gentlemen got a standing ovation. Yeah, that's right. It's Richard. Like, here he is. He's an eighth grader. He gives his presentation on renewable energy and just absolutely knocks it out of the park. As an eighth grader, he was actually later offered uh, for real internship from someone. He got box seats to the Pacers game. He got a standing ovation. But I would claim that he probably had more practice in presenting to audiences. He knew how to prepare. He prepared well. He had good eye contact, right? Because he specifically talked about eye contact. We talked about creating a moment or several moments within your talk. He'd had these smaller opportunities to present and refine his process. So when it came to game time, he absolutely crushed it. But within project-based learning, you inherently have these opportunities for your learners to present. So of course, at some point, they're going to knock it out of the park but they're also building their presentation muscles, which is a really important piece because you don't want it to be your first presentation when you're in front of 300 people. That's when the nerves start to kick in. But if you've presented multiple, multiple times and gotten a ton of feedback throughout that process, well, it's not really a big deal. And you're excited for that opportunity. You step up to that opportunity and it actually tends to present more opportunities for you. So Richard had a lot of different options after that. And that's where we're really trying to go with project-based learning is we want our learners to have opportunities that they wouldn't have seen before us, before they came into a project-based learning environment. And it's just hard to replicate that in a traditional learning environment. So the first process that you need to jump into to create these inspiring student stories is to have opportunities for them to practice those. The second process you want to implement is to Create those opportunities for students within your school day. So it might be talking with the community partner. The first time a learner talks with a community partner, that is a stressful environment, right? That you need to practice that, but it's not so high stress of having 300 people in front of you, right? But it is an environment where you're getting used to talking to professionals in the field, talking to adults in a way that you might not normally talk to them, where you're going to have some expertise that you're going to share with them, and you're going to ask good questions. But when we give our learners these opportunities and they're talking with experts out in the field, they begin to become comfortable with experts out in the field because they're learning the skill sets. And really, I like to say reps. I keep coming back to muscles and reps, right? Like this sports analogy. But the more reps you have in talking to professionals, the easier it does become. So our learners can do that within the classroom environment by bringing community partners into the school, into your classroom. And an extension of this second process of giving students these opportunities is then you can also take them outside of the school environment. You know, maybe they go to the Rotary Club and give a talk there. It's a great place because you have this engaged environment of professionals that have already bought into service. They think it's important. They think community and giving back to the community is important. And so they're a great audience for your learners to come and present to. And they also have to find somebody for each uh, rotary meeting. So when you jump in and say, hey, can my learners talk at your rotary event? They, they jump at it. Uh, they like the, the variety of that. And to fill that spot with a learner is really great for them. And again, it's a really great time for your learners to get some experience. And then the third process you'll want to implement as you grow into your learners presenting is to invite visitors to your school. 
when you invite visitors into your school, it actually probably just happened for you possibly right now is your blood pressure goes up a little bit like, well, they'll see this, they'll see that. What if they come during lunch and we don't have our lunch process down yet? Some of our learners are going to read right off the note card. But what it does is when you invite visitors into your school is now you're kind of forced to address that as a leader to say now, wow, this like they're coming in a month. How do we get our learners ready for that? And it starts to get your process moving, gets your teachers moving. It creates this real world event for the adults in the building, just like we do for our learners. So how do you start with this? You, you know, you can't just put out a tweet that says, come to my school. I would say you start with schools that are already in your district. If you're at an elementary school, then talk to your leader and say, hey, can you send over some of your learners, some of your facilitators to come and listen to our learners talk about our school and some of the work that they're doing? We'd like to give them an opportunity to present. And then you can send some back and you can kind of do a back and forth and create you know, kind of a uh, reflection loop there. So do that within your school first. And then once you get those processes down, you know, maybe you have a panel of learners, maybe you have learners do the tour guide piece, you'll start to figure some of those things out with a school next to you. And then you can start to invite other schools into this mix. You, you know, you go to a workshop and say, hey, it's been great talking with you. It seems like we have some shared values around education. Would you guys like to visit our school to see some of the things that we're doing and to help us get better? Most leaders are going to say yes to that because you put in that humility piece also of can you help us get better? Because now they can send some of their teachers that are looking to improve their processes. They can send some of their learners too, and they can start to catch a vision. But you need to make that step first. You need to take that vulnerable step of say, hey, would you come out and listen to some of our presentations? And then you can certainly go back and trade some some best practices with them as well and go back and forth. And when you start to do that, it creates some, a really interesting dynamic. Our demonstration sites know this for sure. If you go to one of our demonstration sites, say in Indianapolis or Florida or Missouri, when you go into that school, the learners start to ask, hey, why are those people here? Who are they? What are they doing here? And then you get to say, well, we're doing some really neat things. So those people traveled from several states away just to learn about the stuff that we're doing here at our school. And the learners go, wow, that's really cool. I didn't know that. I thought everybody did the school like this. And that's what your learners think, that you know all the hard work that you're doing behind the scenes uh, to create this really great learning environment for them, they just assume that's normal. But when community partners or school leaders from across the country come into your school, they start to realize that there's some amazing things happening and they start to take pride in that. Your teachers do too. So as you're inviting people into your school, it starts to change the culture of your school at the teacher level, also at the learner level, because now you're professionalizing this work. Like There are people from outside of your school, your district that, that want to come see the great work that you're doing, and it starts to change the dynamic in a really positive way. So again, I think every school can have those inspiring student stories that we hear at conferences and in books. I think you can all have those. As long as you do those three processes, you're going to need to implement project-based learning at a high level, And really, I shouldn't say at a high level. You need to start, right, and just start to grow that. But what you'll see is that PBL gives you those opportunities to let your learners present. So that's the first process. The second one is to capitalize on those student opportunities, to bring community partners in and to take your learners out of the school and the classroom to go present. 
And the third process you want to implement is to invite visitors into your school to help you grow, to help them grow, and to create an environment where learning is important and to professionalize the good work that you're doing. And once you do that, you're going to see a change in the dynamic of your culture. You're going to see the presentation skills of your learners go up because they know that there are opportunities to practice and those game time presentations where they can really have a neat opportunity to step into. So we're going to be talking about student presentations, learner presentations all month. Uh, Again, if you want that uh, ghostwriting opportunity we mentioned in the need to know, that'll be in the show notes. So go check that out and feel free to share that. If you're a leader, share that with your teachers. You've got some teachers that are great writers, and this could be a really good summer gig for them or a side gig for them that would capitalize on the gifts that they already have. And if you need to get your book written and you're feeling too busy, you might want to reach out through Ghostwriting School to Nick, or I can certainly connect you, and we can get a ghostwriter for you to help your book come to life. Because as you create that book and bring that out, as you create opportunities for your learners to share their stories, you're going to engage your learners, you're going to tackle boredom, and you're going to transform your classrooms. <music> 